Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. everyone. This is the PTBC Podcast brought to you by the PT Business Corner. My name is Slava and we're also joined by Saroosh today. How's everyone? Great. Excellent. And today we're also joined by our special guest, Bonnie O'Hare. And um, what Bonnie has done is really amazing in this community. Uh, She's a passionate professional physiotherapist who exemplifies everything that physiotherapy stands for, which is great service for our patients in a really compassionate and caring manner. Uh, She also, it's an added bonus that she has a clinic called Promotion Physiotherapy, which has been in the Thornhill area for over 30 years. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And um, aside from that, uh, Bonnie has also created a program called Osteo Circuit, which is uh, uh, targets osteoporosis and uh, aims to improve the lives of those with osteoporosis with a focus on health promotion. How are you today, Bonnie? I'm doing excellent, thank you. And I just want to thank you for the opportunity to share information about physiotherapy, a field I'm just so, as you know, passionate about. Perfect. We appreciate having you. (laughs) So let's get down to business. Um, What inspired you to open up your own clinic? I've always believed that there is the best way of doing something. And so I wanted to open up my own practice just so I would be able to use my professional skills and that I could also use the creativity um, that I have as well just so I could have the best patient experience for every patient that I saw. Um, I also was very interested in research and again I think that's because I'm always looking for the best way to be treating the patients and addressing their needs. Can you maybe walk us through a little bit of how you got started uh, with promotion and how you started this business and maybe some challenges that you faced across Mm -hmm. this journey? Um, After I graduated, I worked in uh, a few hospitals in downtown Toronto, uh, feeling that I wanted to get a little bit more general experience. And then I worked in a private practice because I was becoming interested in having my own practice uh, at that time. Um, And the practice that I was working in, we actually had an opportunity to buy it. It was up for sale. So that really started me on my journey of, you know, this is the time, this is the time to think about it. And uh, decided that I wouldn't purchase that business, but would rather start afresh and start anew. And so also looking at that time, is this something that I do on my own or is this something that I do with a partner? So my husband and I approached um, a physiotherapist uh, that we knew and that we decided that we would start the business uh, together. And so that started us off the adventure, okay, where do we look? Um, And so we looked at a number of areas. We looked at um, are there physiotherapy practices there? And long story short, we decided on Thornhill and that was 30 years ago. And it was a growing area. It was an area where um, we could see the projection of population was going to be quite large, um, lots of families in the area. And so we just thought that this would be the location that we would um, we would start a practice. And so we looked at, okay, then where do you go? Do you look at an office building? Do you purchase something? Do you into a mall and at that time the mall had only been open for one year and we looked at all the benefits of being in a mall. We felt it 
would have parking for patients. They would be able to do more things than physio. Um, we felt it would be quite a safe location for the staff that were going to be here, especially in the evening. So we started the process of uh, looking into leasing space in the Promenade. And um, so at that time, we just started with a small clinic of about 800 square feet with the opportunity that we knew because of the spacing to put into the lease that if we had wanted to expand, then there was space to expand as well. So just to follow up on that, um, you mentioned that you decided to go to, to lease the clinic. Um, what were some of the factors that you were considering leasing versus purchasing real estate or purchasing location? And how do you think those factors kind of apply to today's markets? That's a very good question. I think as you're looking at whether or not you're going to open up your own business, you have to look at a number of factors. And besides the business part, also looking at personally what you are doing, what is your uh, personal situation, and what is your personal financial situation, and does that put you in a position where you could purchase um, a condo or purchase a building where you would be able to have your practice. I think at the end of the day, if that can be done, then that's an excellent approach to take because then you also have real estate value uh, with that if and when you do decide to sell your sell your. Interesting. And now that we're kind of on the topic of the finances or starting up the clinic, um, I know that, uh, you know, 30 years ago, probably startup costs would be a little bit different than now. But what were some of the ballpark startup costs that you had to uh, consider before opening this practice? And how do you think that compares to today? Mm-hmm. So I think it's very different today compared to 30 years ago. I mean, costs are, are much higher now. So I think you need to, first of all, determine what you can afford um, on the business. What is what is your amount? What is your ballpark? And then look at all the things that you would need to do that. You know, you often have to put a deposit down. You're going to have to purchase uh, physiotherapy equipment, administrative equipment, computers, um, marketing supplies, and, and everything uh, that's associated with starting up a business. And at the beginning, to anticipate there's going to be some lean days. You're a new person in the neighborhood. People don't know you yet. A lot of people don't even know what physiotherapy is and the fact that they could benefit from it. So I think you really have to count on about three months of not generating as much income as you would hope to later on down the road. So those are some things to consider. Um, But if you were thinking about now today someone opening a practice, what would be like a ballpark figure that they should make sure that they have access to. I would think, you know, it would be hard to, to start off with anything less than about $100,000 for starting the practice. And I think that that would be kind of like a, you know, small to medium practice to be starting up with. But again, you make decisions, you know, what do you need to start your business? Do you need to have all of the machinery or can you start with some machinery? And certainly you're starting with a smaller staff at the beginning and then building on with that and as you grow and get known in the neighborhood add more staff see more patients then you can see what other things you would be adding to your clinic in terms of purchases mm-hmm. and Bonnie you seem to be to have alluded a lot to the planning aspect of starting a business so I'm sure a lot of listeners would like to know if you had a business plan going into the uh, going into starting your own clinic or a business model that you really relied on? Yes, we definitely had a business plan. And um, obviously, certainly, if you're looking at borrowing money from a 
bank, you need to have a very solid business plan, which are, you know, what are the things that um, you feel that are the absolute musts that you need to have for your clinic, and also what your projections are in terms of the revenue that you're going to be bringing in, and uh, because obviously the bank is really going to be looking at that. And so our, our approach when we started was to look at, okay, what are the, what are the necessities that we absolutely need to have. And so starting with that and then growing from that. Now we had the benefit of, there weren't any other physiotherapy clinics really in the area or any established ones. So we did have the opportunity to start small and then grow from that. I think it would be a little bit different today um, just because even if I see all the number of clinics in the Thornhill area now, uh, things have changed and there are many more private practices. Um, so some people starting a practice may have to consider going a little bit bigger than, than they would like to. Right. When I started a practice 30 years ago, there was still a large majority of physiotherapists that were working in the hospital and not as many in private practice. But now we're seeing a pendulum swing to more people being in private practice because of changes in the hospital situation. And uh, did you seek any outside help to creating the business plan or did you sit down with your husband and outline everything? Uh, a com combination of both. My husband's background is business, so he started us off on that. And um, so we obviously had um, uh, bank information, and we had an accountant, and we had a lawyer as well to give us some advice on the business plan. But as I'm thinking about it now, uh, it was different then in terms of now I feel that people also have more access to physiotherapists to be able to get information from there and very practical advice uh, being out on the field what do you really really need to think of which I think is one of the reasons why you're absolutely you're doing these podcasts which I think is going to be so helpful to other people starting off a business um, so you've you know from where you started 30 years ago to now where you've grown promotion to the wonderful clinic that it is today um, you've obviously over the years hired a lot of people, um, you've had a lot of employees come in. Um, so can you maybe let us know, how do you choose to hire the right person for your clinic? And um, have you faced any difficulties kind of finding someone that fits? Absolutely, so we have quite a stringent hiring process here. And so, so certainly we look very carefully if it is time to hire someone else, whether it's a physiotherapist or an assistant or an admin. Um, and so when that happens and we have resumes or applicants, then we have two people sit down with the person and one of them is dealing more with the clinical or administrative skills uh, and the other one is dealing with the soft skills. So we are looking for people that um, are in line with the values that we have in the clinic. And so, say for instance, if it's somebody who says on their resume they're a team player, what does that mean? And so our questions are posed in such a way to tease out, is that person really a team player or have they just put it on their resume? Um, and so we take quite a bit of time to, to interview the person. We give real life scenarios of what happens in a clinic um, and how they would deal with it. and then. Um, then we take some time to uh, talk about the person and whether or not we think that that person would likely be a fit for our clinic. And if so, um, offer a position. And then we have, uh, of course, a three-month probationary period. If it's a new grad, we will spend time mentoring them as well. 
We look at other things in terms of are they keeping their patients, are their patients satisfied, how are they with the rest of the staff as well, are they being you know, respectful, are they seeming to fit into the team. And um, how have you over the years been able to invest back into your employees so that that kind of makes a turn and comes back to help the business and uh, promotion? Um, I think in a, in a number of ways. I think first of all it's really important for a clinic owner to be present um, in the clinic and to just kind of um, be looking at the heart and soul of the clinic in addition to the business aspect in terms of you know are they seeing patients are the, are the patients happy um, so definitely hiring somebody who has the clinical skills that we are looking for but in terms of people in the clinic um, we do look at um, investing in them whether it is with uh, courses um, whether it is you know definitely asking them particular questions a few years ago we actually asked our staff what motivates you and sometimes you might think you know what the answer is going to be but unless you ask the question you're not going to know and they very clearly said to us of course you know salary is important but being appreciated for a job well done is kind of crucial uh, people are here spending a lot of time uh, together and so just um, supporting them and also understanding that people have lives outside of the business and that if an emergency comes up, then we're there to support them. Um, so whether it's in a, you know, celebrating successes or uh, things happening in their families that are good or supporting them through the bad times, those are all things that foster an atmosphere where people who are here trust you. And so because they, they trust that you are going to treat them um, in a caring manner, in a professional manner, in a caring manner. And so I think that that's really very helpful in us being able to, to have people stay with us for such a long time. We understand that they have lives outside of the business as well and we respect that and appreciate that. We do expect obviously that they are treating uh, our patients professionally and caring and I think again when you go back and hire um, who you think is going to be the right person then you just get an opportunity to support them in their physiotherapy journey as well, which is, as a clinic owner, is something that I just love to do also. You know, we want people to feel challenged and, and to feel that they are doing um, really great work with someone. Definitely uh, being on placement here for five weeks uh, showed how you give back to your employees and your staff in general. And um, you also give a lot to your patients and the clients. Um, in what ways have you been able to provide value to the patients uh, through your clinic? Right, good question. I think um, there are a number of ways. I think, again, you know that adage, um, people don't care what you know until they know you care. And so I think it's starting with the patients also trusting us, that we have their best interests at heart. We're trying to do the very best thing that we, we can for them. Um, and developing relationships with patients and although your patients are coming to you because they have pain or they've had an injury or they need to get stronger then there is a person uh, behind that as well and also respecting them respecting that you know if their appointment is at two o'clock then unless there's an unforeseen circumstance that you try to get them in on time because then they feel that you're valuing 
their time also and that they are being respected. And so, so I think that's the first thing. Every patient that comes to the clinic, they need to feel comfortable right away. Um, and so the admin staff needs to make sure that they are welcoming the patient because we do welcome the patient. We, we are thankful that they have chosen us to be their physiotherapy clinic. There are many different options out there. And so when they do choose us, then we want them to know that we appreciate that. Um, the other thing is in terms of you have your patient and you are making your recommendations to them in terms of what you think treatment would benefit them, how much, how long. Um, and even though we may feel this would be the best treatment approach or program of care um, to at least start off with, it may not work for the patient. They may not have the resources financially or they may not have the time. So then you have to go to your next phase, okay, you know, what else can I do to make this um, patient better um, and content with what we've offered? So sometimes that's where what I love is the creativity that comes in, you know, this is what I want to be able to offer to my patient because these are the patient goals. And so what can I do differently? And so one of the things that uh, we've done here is, like, say for instance, they may need a 40-minute treatment, um, which may be out of their budget a little bit. Um, and they can only do a 30-minute treatment with the physio. So what we started is what we call our 2020. Um, it's almost like a Tim Hortons double-double. I sometimes will refer to it, but a 2020 because we have the um, we have our assistants with us that are excellent assistants. And oftentimes, you know, the physio doesn't need to do the ultrasound. If the patient agrees, then the physio can do just what only the physio can do, and then we can have the assistant do the ultrasound or, or, or show exercises. So therefore, we're able to add more value to the patients in this way. It's always looking at what is the best way of addressing what the, what the patient needs and then being creative. And it's also something that I like to encourage my staff um, to do as well. You know, we, we need to continually be thinking outside of the box. We need to always, of course, be um, adhering to our standards of practice, um, and that is key at all times. But, you know, these other little things that we can do that would be able to offer more time to the patient, more services to the patient, um, we need to look for those things because certainly in today's extended healthcare market, the coverage is getting less and less for patients. And so, and the patients look at that um, and they really do try to stay within the amount that they have. And so how can we help them maximize the funds that they do have available? Um, just actually, while we're on the topic of that, the uh, healthcare insurance and the fact that it's getting less and less, it seems that more and more people have to kind of pay out of pocket um, to get the care that they need and mm -hmm. sometimes obviously some individuals who don't have the means might not even get the care. So how, how have you over the years tried to kind of adapt to this changing landscape of um, healthcare funding uh, through insurance, through WSIB, um, other means? Mm -hmm. um, how have you kind of shifted your business plans and business model a little bit so that you could cater to that and still maintain um, the flow of uh, clients and maintain uh, profitability? Uh, yeah. I think a couple of things. Sometimes patients do get used to trying to stay within the amount of funds that they have, but good communication with the patient in terms of, you know, perhaps a few extra treatments is going to help you reach 
or um, maybe perhaps spreading out the treatment, though you may feel that twice a week for three or four weeks is the best way to approach it, but the patient can't do that, then maybe they do once a week, or maybe they see you once a week and then perhaps um, have a longer treatment, a shorter treatment. To look at those kinds of things, maybe spread out the amount of time that they have. But oftentimes when people see the value of perhaps a few more times with treatment, then my experience is then they will usually do that. Especially, you know, when we talk to them about, um, you know, where, where they want to reach. And they also understand that their extended health care has been li more limited and that I see more people being to, um, even though it's a health care, to also take responsibility for that also. Um, I want to actually talk a little bit more about you uh, for a second. Um, you know, briefly, I've, I've met you a few times. Uh, obviously, Slava knows you a little bit better. But um, I've noticed that you say that you are a bit structured, and over the years you've developed certain habits, I'm assuming, um, and some habits that you might have found to be very important for business and for your life. Um, can you maybe touch on some of these habits that you've uh, recognized over the years that were crucial in helping your business grow? I think that you have to be prepared to work hard. If you are going to be starting your own business, especially at the very beginning, then you're really going to be investing time, energy, blood, sweat, and tears. So to be prepared for that. Um, and also over time, to also be prepared to work very hard at, at different seasons, whether it's a change in legislation or whether it's a new program that you're going to be starting. So just a very strong work ethic. But also with that, um, being able to balance as well. And the importance of also looking after yourself, physically, mentally, exercising. So because you know you don't want to get burnt out either so you do need to be able to, to balance you need to be able to manage your time very well also and in that is also being prepared to delegate and that is a real tough one and I must say personally too as a clinic owner that it's very important to come to the realization that you cannot do everything all the time and that you're then going to have to start to have a group of people that you are able to delegate to. So, you know, knowing when that is the time. So then you can concentrate on the things that only you as an owner can do. Um, and also the importance of spending time not in the business, but on the business. And for you to determine, okay, I'm going to spend X number of hours a week, I'm going to spend one day a month, to spend a weekend every six months but you know managing your time and planning ahead for that because everybody is busy and so it's good to say okay this is what I'm going to do three months from now or this is the project that I want to undertake but it's, this is not the right time now and so I'm going to block that time later so again just having those good management skills and um over time, you talked about the importance of planning ahead. How have you been able to introduce those systems into your business and uh, making sure that it works effectively? I think it's um, a couple of things. We have uh, a management team here, and we meet regularly and um, set the goals for the business and what we're going to 
be working on. We also have regular staff meetings where we have all the staff together. So from that, we get some great ideas of what would be a good thing to, to work on in the future. But always looking at what is urgent and what is important in terms of, okay, that is a great idea. Right now we're focusing on this, but let's start to work on that perhaps six months from now. So it's always being aware of opportunities out there. but recognizing that once you take a new opportunity, there is a cost to that. And I'm not talking just about a financial cost, but I'm talking about a cost of time. And so what you're going to be doing may take time away somewhere else, or a cost of energy and a cost of focus. So in terms of projects and programs that you want to put in place, you do really need to look at it as a whole package. And what does this mean to the clinic? make a very wise decision on is this the right thing, is this the right time, do I have the right people, do I have the right resources. And um, in terms of uh, seizing certain opportunities and applying systems, um, we were wondering uh, why you chose to expand this clinic, because I'm sure you started with a smaller mm -hmm. space and then mm -hmm. chose to expand that a little bit, right. uh, versus opening up a second or a third or a fourth clinic. Exactly. Well. We did think about that, um, and I think it's one of those things that continues to be in the back of your mind as well, because you're always looking at what's your next, what's your next thing that you're going to be doing. Um, but the last time that I took some time to sit down and think about the clinic, I felt that we could still be maximizing um, the clinic, maximizing our, our services, and maximizing the people that are working here as well. And so I decided, okay, we're just going to keep with the one clinic right now. But in a way, I've kind of added on more clinics um, into my network with the Osteo Circuit program that I have now. And the Osteo Circuit program is something that uh, was developed a number of years ago. It was probably developed about 20 years ago when I had a patient who said to me with, who had osteoporosis, I know I should exercise. I'm afraid of doing the wrong thing, so I'm not going to do anything. So as a physiotherapist, your antenna goes up. And so again, you're trying to always do the best you can for a patient. And so I just started with a simple aerobics class and they enjoyed it, they liked it, they came. But I thought that's not very individualized to the patient. Again, always looking what's the best thing I can be doing for the patient. So I made it into a physiotherapy program. So therefore they needed to have an assessment and we designed their exercise program based on osteoporosis management principles, as well as what they were presenting with. Did they have osteoarthritis? Um, had they had a hip replacement? You know, did they have diabetes? Um, were they afraid to exercise? And so then uh, we started the osteocircuit program at Promotion. And then it seemed to me that they were getting better. Um, they seemed to be stronger. They seemed to be more confident. But I didn't know if they were actually statistically significantly getting better. So we had an opportunity with the University of Toronto to do a program evaluation with the master's PT students a few years ago. And they did a retrospective chart review of about 50 of our postmenopausal women who were part of the program. And they looked at the physical performance measures like gait speed, like grip strength, and um, you know, sit to stand. And it showed that there was a statistically significant decrease in fall and fracture risk in the women who adhered to the program. And one of the recommendations from uh, the program evaluation is that this program be available to more communities. 
and it was really in line with the senior strategy. So based on that, I started teaching other physiotherapists our, our method. And so I, I now do weekend courses and where I train physios on the osteocircuit method. And we now have clinics in um, about 12 clinics in Ontario, a couple of clinics in Quebec, some clinics in the States, a hospital in the States, and also a clinic in Israel. And so, and, and part of that as well is we do get together as clinics, and most of us are clinic owners or, or managers. And in addition to discussing the Austrian Circuit program, we've also now become a network of uh, physiotherapy owners that also get together and talk about management. And so it, it this was a, an evolution of, of the of the osteosurgery program, so I feel like that there are other clinics now that are are now kind of the osteosurgery method is based on research. It's based on um, value to the patients. So in a way, some of the values I think and things that I've done in the clinic here, I have an opportunity to share with other clinics and physios in a bit of a roundabout way. Now, you, that's interesting that you say. Um, you're talking to all these clinical owners, um, some from the States, some mm -hmm. from Israel. Mm -hmm. And um, so what are some things you've learned from them as clinic owners in terms of having a business? Um, has Have you applied any principles or any kind of ideas that they've had across uh, overseas that you've brought here and you found to be effective in helping your business? And some of them have different models. Certainly in the States, their model is very different from ours. So mm -hmm. they have a, a different um, insurance approach and um, so we've had to kind of find out a little bit more about how that will work because one of our um, osteocircuit clinics is in, in a hospital so working with them on that one. Um, the other one is a, is a clinic, a private clinic as well. And so what I found with working with a number of clinic owners, whether they're in Israel or the States or in Canada, is everybody has similar questions, similar concerns, similar challenges, and some of those things would be things like, how do I market? How do I let people know about the osteoporosis program and, and their clinics? Um, and, so some, and so being able to share some different ideas on that um, has been really helpful for, for everyone as well. Or, you know, how do you deal with a human resource issue? Or, who is your supplier that you use for this one? So we've been able to um, share all of that information, which just betters all of us. And it's a network of, you know, hey, I have a question. What do you do in this particular circumstance? If it's for someone with osteoporosis who's maybe had a vertebral fracture or something, complicated patient, or my beds need repaired, who, who do you use to repair your beds? Maybe by everybody. Okay. Um, so I want to follow up with that, um, with the marketing that you brought up, and um, what are some ways that you found uh, you've been able to market the clinic that have been effective? What are some ways, like, have you been using any social media? Has it been mouth, uh, word, word of mouth? Has you had flyers? Or mm -hmm. What are some ways that you've been able to kind of incorporate these strategies and improve your revenue, improve the profit of the clinic, and just keep expanding? Right, exactly. And I think your best marketing is the treatment that you provide to your patients. And so being professional, being respectful, being caring, being a good listener, because what we think the patient might be there for may not be why they're there. And so just to really um, be caring and be excellent in that um, and in your 
customer service and in your clinical skills as well. So that has to be first and foremost because about 90% of the patients that come to us, because we also keep track of how they heard about us, 90% um, of the patients come to us because you know someone they know has been here or the doctors referred them to us. So and that comes with establishing a reputation of excellence and so that is first and foremost. Uh, the other thing is also keeping in contact with the doctors. Uh, every patient that we discharge, we send a note to the physician. And we actually surveyed our physicians a few years ago and sent them a copy of our discharge note and said to them, is this meeting your needs? And just like we want to meet our patients' needs, we want to meet all of our stakeholders' needs as well. And so they said, we want to have the date of birth of the patient on it, and we want to have them within 10 days or it's not useful to us. And so we took that information um, because, you know, we, we can't tarry this. You know, we need to make sure that it goes to the uh, physician quite quickly. The other reason why that's good is you may have a patient uh, that maybe didn't continue their program. And you they've gone back to their doctor to say physiotherapy doesn't work which is not a good reflection on physio or a good reflection on you as a physiotherapist. But if you have an opportunity to send a note to the doctor within you know, a week or two um, and say, you know, we saw the patient, this is what we did, they just attended a couple of visits, we feel that if they had attended longer, we feel we could have improved them, we'd be happy to see them again, then the doctor gets the both sides of the story as well. And we've certainly seen circumstances where the patients would come back as well. Um, and so certainly, um, you know, really making sure that you are caring well for the patients. But you can never stop marketing. Even if, when you are really busy, don't ever stop marketing because there will be ebbs and flows of the business. And so determining a market where you're, who you're going to market to, um, determining what your budget is going to be, and going to see the physicians makes a huge difference. If you if they have an opportunity to put a face to you and a face to the clinic, then therefore they we've certainly seen when we've had those opportunities, then we and we track which physicians specifically say go to promotion physiotherapy, we see an increase of the referrals from them. And so we keep a database of who are top referring physicians and, and also keep an eye on them. Um, the other thing in terms of our patients, we appreciate the fact that they refer patients to us. So on our demographic sheet, we say, how did you hear about promotion? And if it is someone they know, we ask their permission to send them a thank you note. So we will send them a thank you note, and we will usually put in a little something with it as well, you know, whether it's a pen or a notepad or, or something like that, just to show them that we appreciate it. And we're keeping track of those uh, people that have been so loyal to us, and we appreciate that. Um, how, how to market. Oh, how to market. Um, so, <laughs> so, general, yeah. yeah, that's okay. And doing things in the community, uh, whether it's giving talks um, on an expertise that you have, um, uh, you know, even physiotherapy month. So physiotherapy month, we, um, every time a patient has an appointment with us, then they put their name in to win a Fitbit or an exercise mat. But in that, this year what I did is I asked them if they could also put what do they like best about promotion and how can we do things better. And so therefore I'm hoping you know that I'm going to get some good information back uh, from them in terms of what we could be doing to improve. Also we now do photo, uh, focus on therapeutic outcomes, which the CPA 
has endorsed. And so we are using that, and in that we're able to track the functional progression of a patient, but it also gives us client satisfaction in terms of what are the areas um, that they are rating as high on, and what are the areas that perhaps we can be improving on. So you've got to be determining who you're marketing to. Uh, definitely you know, your physicians, other um, health professionals in the area, and your public, In terms of when you were talking about marketing as well as um, certain indicators of performance, nowadays it's a very emergent topic uh, with the key performance indicators and uh, it's catching a little bit of um, uh, momentum as well. So I just wanted to ask, uh, how have you been able to track certain um, performance metrics in your clinic? A lot of it we get from um, uh, certainly how we're keeping our patients. What we looked at a number of years ago was, because that's a key, you know, one is the patients that you have coming, you're recommending X amount of treatments for X amount of week, and then they have a formal discharge. And to us, a formal discharge is they completed the program, they don't need physio anymore, you've had a chance to review everything with them, and they have their home exercise program, you shake hands, and they've completed that episode of care. However, there are some times when people have not seemed to complete their episode of care. And so we've actually analyzed that in terms of what percentage of our patients are completing their episode of care as we had expected them to. And so what we did was we um, had a number of people have not completed. We sent them um, a form to say, you know, we understand that you didn't complete your your treatment, could you please tell us why that was? Put in a stamp, addressed envelope with a pen. <laughs> we really wanted to do everything we could to get that information back. And so they sent it back. And again, that's one of the things where we can't make assumptions on why someone is doing something they are or aren't doing. We will never know until we ask a question. And some of us might have thought, well, um, it's probably finances, and they didn't have any coverage or anything like that, so that's why they stopped. But that's actually not, was not the main reason why people stopped. The main reason was they felt better, they were busy, and they stopped. So it was a time issue. So we took that information and said, okay, maybe we're not communicating well what it means to fully, fully complete an episode of care. So say, for instance, if somebody's had a dist arrangement and maybe they've started off um, on an extension program that was indicated for them but, and they felt better, but they didn't get to uh, recovery of function. And so therefore, we made sure that for our new patients that they fully understood what it meant to complete an episode of care. Yes, maybe your pain is less, but it still is a little bit in your upper thigh or, you know, you're better here, but you really need a couple more visits to really get it to settle down and really to get you back on your regular activities of daily living. And so, um, so certainly we look at that. We look at, you know, are patients completing the program? Because if you think about it, if you've got 100 patients and each of them are missing out on the last few treatments, that certainly does affect you as a clinic. Um, and so that's a very important metric that we look at. As well, you know, we do monthly bookkeeping, so we're also looking at how we're doing with our revenue and expenses. Um, as I mentioned, photo earlier, we're looking at client satisfaction and what we need to be 
what other areas that we can be doing to improve that. And uh, just to follow up on that, how have you been able to track your marketing avenues as well? Um, attract the marketing avenues in terms of uh, track. As oh, in, track. Uh, record oh, yes. and uh, yes. which ones have been the most effective and which ones are not as good. That's right. And sometimes you can do that and sometimes you can't, you know, because people need to see things a few times before they will actually decide to purchase it. So some of the things you can and some of the things um, you can't. Um, but certainly in terms of we look at if we've gone to see doctors, do we right away see an increase in the number of referrals that they send because we we track that so we can certainly mm -hmm. see that if we give a talk in the community are we seeing referrals back from that um, and and I think it's hard from I mean we do Facebook and Twitter and we have a website it's a little bit hard sometimes to know if you're getting patients specifically from those areas but in today's market you can't not have Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram so you need to be part of that community uh, as well um, so those are some some key key ways that we we look to see our marketing endeavors um, bringing us information and again tracking at how are people hearing about us we certainly are seeing i've seen over the last five years we have a lot more people that are coming to us from the internet where i didn't see that 10 years ago um, and so tracking the things that you have done I've, in the in the past when i first opened the clinic i would do health fairs which are time consuming and take time out of your day. And I just felt that we didn't get a return on that investment. So I don't usually do health fairs. So some of those things that you can directly say, yes, that worked, or no, that wasn't helpful, depending on what you decide to be, do, what target you're marketing. Are you targeting physicians? Are you targeting um, your community? Who are you targeting for a hospital? Okay. Um, how often do you kind of take those I wouldn't call it a risk, but take those um, opportunities where, like the health fair you said, that you probably had an idea of, let's see if this will work, if how, if this will have a return on investment or not. How often do you kind of take those uh, events or try to create those to see if it'll improve or uh, not have an effect on the clinic? We often get requests from people and they say, you know, would you like to, um, you know, present at the health fair or something like that. So, um, and again, it's one of those things we don't usually do health fairs uh, for that. Um, we've also been approached by different people. The physician might have a screen up in their physician's office and they want to sell you advertising uh, for that. Um, and we've investigated that but felt that that wasn't worth it. We used to have a bench ad years ago that was quite expensive. But again, when you track how did people hear about you, if you're spending X amount of money a month on a bench ad but nobody is coming because of it, then you're stop that as well so really whatever you're doing uh, something like that where there is that investment of long-term um, commitment to to having to fund something then you definitely need to know if it's something good or not and again continuing to ask patients how did you hear about us and that's why in terms of you know when a lot of it is word of mouth you know just making sure you're doing the best job you can but you can't just rely on word of mouth you have to be targeting that new market as well and what I found too because we I mean a lot of clinics will have similar services whether it's um, you know vestibular or pelvic floor or concussion um, having something of an expertise in your clinic is really important because even if you want to market to the doctors 
that they're interested in things that will be of value to their patients, as opposed to just going and saying, here's my clinic, send to me. Um, that doesn't offer them value because there are now, of course, many physiotherapy clinics. But you need to go and say, you know, this is what I can offer to your patients that perhaps, uh, you know, nobody else in the community is doing. So that's one of the things that we found with the osteocircuit program as well. Just considering how many people are impacted by osteoporosis, a lot of them don't want to take medication um, if the doctor sometimes, and so therefore, what else can the doctor be offering to the patient that is evidence-based um, and will be helpful to the patient? You've shared some amazing information over the course of this uh, interview. We just wanted to ask you, um, what would be one or a couple of pieces of advice you would give to somebody looking to open up their clinic? Can I give you my top 10? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, the more the better. <laughs> so. If you were thinking, just looking past on the past uh, 30 years, I remember um, giving a, being asked by a bank. Um, they had a group of women entrepreneurs there, and they, they um, asked the question, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? And my answer to that was, I would have many advisors. And so, therefore, I would certainly say to anybody opening a clinic, get lots of input get lots of advice and not just from people that are like-minded not just from physios um, but also from you know human resource people definitely your lawyers and your accountants and and your family listen to your family they know you as well and so just make sure that you get lots of advice from people but also I think you need to determine why you want to open your own business what is your driving factor why do you want to do that um, and just really explore what that means to you. For me, it was, I felt like I just wanted to be able to give the best experience I could to my patients. And to do that, I needed to be able to be creative and to be able to think really about what their needs were being expressed to me and what was the best thing that I could do for them. Um, be aware of your own strengths and weaknesses as well um, and see which ones, you know, uh, need to be complemented with that. Determine if you want to partner with someone or and there are pros and cons to both of them. And so you need to really think carefully about, about, about that. Um, be a good listener. And being a good listener means to your patients, but also asking, asking the right questions. So whether it's a survey to doctors or a survey to your patients, you know, ask the questions and, and look forward to listening to what they're going to be telling you. Develop a budget. <laughs> Definitely, just like you know, all families need a budget. Your your clinic needs a budget, which does not mean if a fantastic opportunity comes out that you're not going to relook at that and very seriously consider whether or not that's an opportunity that um, that you really need to seriously consider. Perhaps not in your budget of finances or time or effort, but is that something that is is it, is it really good opportunity, so wisely consider that. Be prepared for times of intense work and focus, very much so. Develop policies and procedures from the very beginning, so if you're opening up a clinic and then all of a sudden you're um, starting to hire staff, you definitely need policies and procedures in place, first from a legal perspective, also from a time perspective, in terms of, you know, 
based on your mission statement of what you're going to be doing for your business decisions that you're going to be making, but also it's a lot more efficient if a staff issue comes up and you can refer to a policies and procedures issue um, that you know that that's how you need to address that. Um, and take time to make the best decision you can with the information that you have. Set a time to it. Don't let it go on for too long. And take time to work on the business as well as in the business. And I think that that's something, don't spin your wheels, you know, trying to get a lot of things done. Be self, um, analyze yourself as well in terms of, you know, do you feel like you're being efficient? Do you feel like you, know, you are spinning your wheels? So you just really need to make sure that you know you need to stop and you just need to analyze everything that's going on. Have you taken on too much? Is it time to delegate? You know, what do you need to be doing? This is an opportunity that you need to go for. You know, what do you need to do to make that successful? So then I also thought about 10 things once you open your business. Um, some of my 10 top, shall I share those with you? Yeah, please, please. please. Okay. Determine your non-negotiables. Determine things that, without a doubt, that is something you will never allow, you will never do, and everybody knows that. You're really talking about values, your ethics, um, your morals, what are some of the things and that everybody around you knows that this is non-negotiable. If this is a question that comes up, you know how this is going to be answered. Um, so determine your non-negotiables. Um, determine what you will measure and take a QI approach to your business. Always be looking at, you know, is this working well? Can I work it better? What's my target? I want 85% of my patients to be fully completing the program. I'm at 72. What do I need to be doing? And and involve people in that because remember, they're the ones that are going to be involved with the patient. It has to be, whatever you're thinking about doing, it has to be practical and they have to believe in you as well. So invest in your staff. Make sure that you're getting them involved in the QI. Determine your process for evaluation, evaluating your staff as well as, well as appreciating your staff. Well, so take those things like Administrative Professionals Day and you know physiotherapy month. Just show your staff how much you appreciate them and enjoy them because you do. You know you spend a lot of time with people and you get to know them very well. And you really get to appreciate them. Um, determine your process for dealing with conflict or complaints because it's going to happen. Whether it's a complaint from patient or a complaint from your staff, how are you going to deal with that? And one word of advice is. There are usually two sides to every story, so make sure you listen to both sides of the story um, and then make your decisions based on that and what your process is going to be. If you have a patient complaining about something, make sure that you're responding to them properly. Get the information and then respond. Determine how you will say yes or no to opportunities. And as we talked about earlier, what's the cost of doing that? Determine necessary endings. Sometimes in your business where um, it's important that something has to end, whether it's a program that you have developed um, or whether it's a staff person that you have hired that you've seen is not really a match for the clinic. And sometimes you might think bad, you know, they're not a matter, you know, they're not working out in the clinic, but maybe one of the best things that you can do is let them go to find the match that's right for them as well. So determine your necessary endings. Look upon it, is this wishful thinking that this situation is going to get better, 
or is this a pattern that it's time to end this relationship or this, um, this business opportunity? Continually market, number seven, is continually market and look for creative and interesting ways to do this. Um, continually develop your professional, business, and personal skills. Work on balancing work and your personal life and give back. So say for instance, there are a lot of people that have helped you get to where you are. Um, and so if you can give back to them or give back to your community. So whether it's, like say for instance in our clinic, we have a formal volunteer program where people uh, will come interested in the profession of physio. We match them with the physio and so then they learn about whether or not this is a career that they would uh, pursue. And, or give talks, but give back as well. And uh, you've given back greatly to this uh, community of Thornhill and beyond for a very long time. And um, we just want to give back something to our listeners as well uh, by giving them a recommendation of your of an important book that you've read that's really shaped your course mm -hmm. in business. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, I actually have a favorite author, and his name is John Maxwell. And he writes a lot of... If you're familiar. nodding, you know him. Mm -hmm. He writes some great books, I'm very books. practical. He's a very experienced um, person who has interacted with lots of people. My favorite book, however, is called Necessary Endings. And it's by, um, his last name is Cloud. And so I would recommend that as a book. You'll find a lot of the principles, you know, that you might use in business, you also use in a personal life. And so therefore, you know, necessary endings, I know certainly helped me make a decision in terms of it was the right time to be uh, stopping a certain program that we were delivering here. So I would recommend, because you know, if you wait too long to make a decision, it can be very stressful. It'll take a lot of resources um, as well. So determine when it's time to really analyze a program or a relationship and have a process for deciding to continue so I would highly recommend the book Necessary Endings. All right. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Uh, we appreciate all the answers that you've provided uh, through the podcast. Um, just to also get back to you a little bit, um, is there any way individuals can find you? Um, do you have a social media account or is there a website that you'd want individuals to, uh, if they want to come to promotion, see what services you have, uh, what are some things you can provide if anyone wants to come for the osteo circuit, for example? Um, yeah. Would you let us know a few? Excellent. Well, our website is www.promotionphysiotherapy.com. Uh, we do have Facebook and uh, Twitter as well, and that can actually be accessed off our website. They can email me at Bonnie, Bonnie's with a Y, at promotionphysiotherapy.com. We also have an OsteoCircuit website, um, uh, www.osteocircuit.com. They can also find out more information about the osteoporosis program that we have in case they may be interested in uh, finding out more about it for themselves or their patients. For the listeners, we'll be definitely writing that in the blog as well, just in case, um, so that they can also see that there. But yeah, thank you so much for thank everything. You. We appreciate it. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share this information. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. 
please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time. time.